and I'll spotlight myself also. Okay, and here we go. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about the praise section of tefillah. We've mentioned before a number of times that the structure of our prayer is supposed to be arranged such that we begin with praise and only after we praise God do we continue on to begin our requests and our supplications. We've explained the, the reason for that is because we first have to clarify for ourselves that God is omnipotent, God is all able. And, and then when we go ahead and make our requests, we'll be doing so from the heart with the deeper feeling that we're, we're approaching the, the one who can answer those prayers. And I want to build on that a little bit. And so the first part, the first idea that we're going to discuss, we've, I've mentioned maybe briefly in the past, um, but I want to build on it. And that is the mood the, that, that a person should, should take on when they are praying. And at least certainly when they are in this section of praise, which of, of prayer, which is praise. And, uh, and then the second idea will be a new, a novel idea about the, the quality and the power of this, this section of praise. And then we'll do a little bit more liturgy that builds on that as we, as we've been doing. So, so we mentioned, I think all the way back in the first class that, that prayer is called avoda. Avoda means service of God. And in fact, the source for the mitzvah to pray in the Torah is from the words of that, that, that source. There's a number of, of different verses that, that mention avoda from the heart, that you can, uh, you can serve God from the heart. And the sages explain that, that refers to prayer. So so the example of, uh, of avoda, of service from the heart in the Torah, is prayer. And we find an interesting thing in a, with, associated with avoda, with service of God. And that is the idea that service of God is supposed to be done with simcha, with joy. And we read that in Psalms. It's the first source in Tehillim, um, chapter 100. It's part of actually the morning prayers, where we say, if do et Hashem b'simcha, serve God with joy. It's telling us how that service of God is to be done with joy. There's other examples of that actually in the Torah itself. It talks about this idea that you are supposed to serve God b'simcha v'tov levav with joy and from a good heart. And here the Torah is, is, is teaching us that one of the necessary components of serving God is that we should do it we should do it with joy. It's a tremendous opportunity to, to be serving God, and therefore it should be done. The proper way to serve God is with joy. But Rev Shimshin Pincus points out, and he adds another little twist to this, and he says that besides for this requirement to try to engender simcha, to try to engender joy when we're praying, but Simcha, joy, is actually a sign that we are doing it correctly, that we're praying in or we're serving God in the proper manner. If we're doing so out of 
Simcha, if, if we're filled with joy in the process, that means that we're, that we're doing it right. Or at least that's a necessary component to be doing it right. And he explains the reason. Why, why is it so? Why is it necessary to, to be filled with joy when we, when we approach God, when we pray, when we come and, and praise God? And the reason is because if we aren't filled with joy as we come and praise God, then that is a sign that we're not really doing avoda. We're not really in an act of service of God because that would be an indication that we don't clearly understand and recognize whom we are dealing with. Because if we really understood, if we really took the time to contemplate and to recognize that we are speaking to the king of kings, the master of the world, the one who has all the answers to all of our problems, then we would be absolutely overcome by joy from that experience or that opportunity. And so if we're not, and I understand we, we, it, it takes effort to do this, and it, it, we have to, it's something we have to consider and think about. I, I assume that if we took a poll right now, we're not all overcome by joy when, we, when we're praying. That's okay, you know, we're working on it. But, but, uh, but, it, but it's something that we, we, we should think about. And, and sometimes you have to like engender it. You have, to, you have to think about it. Like I should be so, so happy at this opportunity. But it's also about framing it, about having the right perspective on what we're doing, which can, which can help bring about this feeling. And, and again, therefore bring us to the point where we're, we're really doing it in the, right, in the right way. So you could understand it with the parable. Um, you know, if you see a person walking in the street and they're carrying a purse full of gold and jewels and, and it belongs to them, let's say, um, but you don't see any joy on their face. Now, you know, it could be that they're nervous about it, but, but in, the, in the parable, we're gonna assume that that's not the reason. You don't see any joy. They're carrying a, a purse full of, full of gold and there's no joy, there's no happiness over possessing that. And uh, so, so it, we can, it, it could be that the reason why the person isn't so, so happy and so smiley is because the person doesn't actually know what is contained in that purse. Doesn't realize what he, he or she doesn't realize what they have. And therefore they're not overcome by joy at, this, at the, the riches that they're, that they're carrying. And the same is true for tefillah, for prayer that when we're, we're praying, if we understand what we're, so to speak, carrying, the power, the opportunity to meet and to speak with the, the king of kings, the master of, of, of the entire world, so then we should be filled with joy at that opportunity, at that, at that, that gold and silver that we, that we have. And, and if not, it may be that we don't fully appreciate what we're doing or who it, whom it is that we're, that we're speaking to. And if we don't really appreciate whom it is that we're speaking to, then it's hard to say that we're truly serving him, that we're truly involved in the in avoda, in service of God to the fullest extent, if we don't know who, who, who we're serving, if we don't appreciate who it is that we're, that we're serving. You know, in a similar way, I, when I teach about, about belief in God, so, 
So I say that we have to we have to learn in order in order to talk about as Jews, do we believe in God? We have to understand what the how our tradition defines belief in God. You know, you could go to a lot of people on the street and uh, and ask them, do you believe in God? And and it could be that you know whatever percentage will tell you yes. But then if you ask them what is God, you know, seven, you can ask 10 people, seven of them say they believe in God, but all seven have a different definition of what God is. So, so in order to, 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 to say that we believe in God, we have to learn about what our tradition is of, of, of what God is as much as we can define that, which, you know, is, is its own issue and something actually we'll, we'll probably get into later, although that's not our topic isn't belief in God here, but it obviously ties into prayer, but it's a similar thing. It, you can't say you believe in God if you, if, you're, you know, if you think that God is, is an alien, like that you believe in a God, but that's not what our belief in God is. So, so in a similar way, when it comes to avoda, when it comes to service of God, if we're, in order to really say that we're serving God, we have to know who we're serving. And if we truly appreciate whom it is that we're, that we're interacting with, so then we should automatically be overcome by joy. And so joy isn't only, says Rabbi Pincus, it's not only a, a, uh, a requirement to, in, or, you know, as the Torah expects us to, and asks us to elicit joy, to engender joy when we serve God, but it's actually a sign of whether we're doing it properly. So it's something for us to, to work on when we when we pray and when we when we um, praise God, and we can help hopefully together now just develop it a little bit and create a certain you know frame of reference frame of mind to help us engender that when we when we daven. So as we've been discussing, part of uh, such a major component of, of our prayer is coming coming to the realization that God can do anything for us. He's without limitation. And we can't even really grasp how, you know, how, how much God can, can truly do for us. So if a person has some kind of challenge, difficulty weighing on them in their life and they despair, they get despondent, and they start to think, oh, there's no hope. So that actually shows a lack of emuna, of faith in God. Because of course there's hope. There's always hope. God can turn things around. Doesn't mean God will, but God can. So there's always hope. And if we really believe that, and we really work on that belief, we work on that idea that we're never hopeless. God has many ways to bring about salvation, then uh, that can be tremendously uplifting for us and, and really a, a game changer in our, in, our, in our prayer and in our life. So to give another parable, imagine, um, we'll go back, it's the easiest, but we'll, a sick person, a sick person, very, very sick. All the doctors have given up, all the local doctors. There, there's one expert, but he lives in a different city far away. And, uh, and, you know, what hope is there of that doctor, you know, 
coming to, to this town. So there's a sick person, he or she is very sick and, uh, and really growing despondent. And then they hear the news that actually that expert doctor happens to be visiting, happens to be in town today. Amazing, what, what luck. And when a person hears, if a person will hear that news, so just hearing that this world-renowned doctor is in town, or maybe even without that, even learning that such a doctor exists, such a person who can perform the surgery or who has a new cure, just learning that, that the potential exists will fill that person's heart with hope and, and happiness. Even in the darkest of times, the person is, is, is on the brink of death, but they, they find out that there's a glimmer of hope. There's, 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 a, there's a cure out there. There's a doctor out there. The doctor's even in town. So that is, even for somebody who's in such a difficult straits, that, that's a game changer. And, and in their time of difficulty, they will suddenly feel joy and, and, and hope. And even without even knowing if the doctor will agree to see them, if the doctor can see them, if the doctor even can really cure their situation. But just that, that glimmer of hope is, is tremendous. Similarly, a person is, is following on hard times financially. And uh, there's a large bill that's coming due. You know, if they don't, if they don't make this payment, then things are gonna go really, really downhill. And, and they, the person needs a loan and he doesn't know how he's gonna, how he's gonna get the money. And he suddenly hears, he hears that he has an old friend in town. This friend is, is, is quite well off. And just hearing that would feel, fill a person with joy and hope. He doesn't know if he'll be able to get in touch with the friend. He doesn't know if the friend will agree to lend the money, if the friend really can lend the money. But just the idea that there's, there's hope, you know, will also fill a person with, with happiness. And so relating that back to tefillah, to prayer, someone who trusts in God and recognizes God's omnipotence, that God is all powerful, God has solutions. Like we learned last week, we actually praise God in, in, the, in the Shemona Esra, in the second blessing, that God you know, lifts up the fallen and, and, and releases the bound and God can get a person out of whatever situation. God, God cures the sick. We praise God for all this because God can, can release a person from whatever, whatever difficult straits they find themselves in. So if we, if we appreciate that, then uh, that's, that, you know, that's the friend. That's the, the famous doctor. That's the, the expert doctor. He's always in town. He's always available. And... Uh, and, and there's always hope. And that should, that should fill us with joy at that opportunity. And just to take it a step further, you know, imagine uh, a person, uh, this person who needs a loan, right? So they're, they're trying to, to arrange with the bank for a loan and they just can't get a meeting with the bank manager. Just impossible. But, but the person knows that if he or she could just have that, that two minutes with the bank manager then and explain the situation and why it's so desperate, why they need the loan, the bank manager would agree, would come through. But 
just getting that meeting is, has been impossible. They try calling the bank, you know, they get put on hold. They try visiting the, the managers out. They just can't get in touch and they, they, they can't get that, that loan. And suddenly one day, you know, things are getting going from bad to worse. And, and one day the person's riding on the bus and he or she sits down and, and they look at who's next to them and it's, it's the bank manager. What, what feeling does that, does that engender at that moment? Tremendous joy, tremendous joy. This op the person I've been who can solve all my problems is right next to me on the bus. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this moment. Imagine the joy in that, you know, at that moment of this, this person who's been going through all this. So every time we dive in, we have to realize that we are meeting, we are getting a, a, a personal meeting with the one who holds the solution to all of our, our troubles, the one who can solve anything for us, the one who can make everything right and can overcome any powers in the world. Anybody who's giving us a hard time, God can take care of it. Any, any sickness, any difficulty, God can take care of it. So, and, and it's amazing, you know, every time I go to pray, I just happen to bump into him, right? It's like, like on the bus, right? It's amazing. And, and, and that, that feeling, if we, if we can develop that perspective for us, so then we will have that, that joy every time we get up to pray. And the truth is that in a certain sense, the first couple of times it's easier. Once you learn about this and you think about it, it's holding on to it. That's the challenge, right? That's, it's, it's not letting it, letting it wane. It's keeping that excitement. And that's, that's really the challenge. And that's, you know, there's, these are, these are the challenges of, of keep, of, of, of doing things right in life. But, uh, but that's the perspective, the frame of mind that I think we, we want to develop for ourselves to really bring tremendous joy and meaning to our prayer is that every time I get to go up to pray, and as I say these words, that when I, when I think about how God can free, you know, free the imprisoned and cure the sick and, and all of these things, I can think about, I've, I'm speaking to the bank manager. I'm speaking to the one, the, the ex, most expert doctor in the world. I'm speaking to the one who has all the answers. And, uh, and that's a tremendous, tremendous uh, opportunity and it should bring us tremendous joy. <clears throat> yes, go ahead. Um, I just, well, I'm stuck on a lot of this as I've told you, but um, I don't understand, like if you're in a, in a like a uh, prayer service, right? So why are you like shifting gears and not having that feeling like from the first moment or from the first moment you wake up till, you know, till you go to sleep, when you say the Shema or when you recite Psalms or whatever you do, why are you, why do we seem to be talking about shifting gears when you say those few moments of those Shmona Esrei? So that's a great question. And I think if somebody could hold that type of frame of mind an entire day, then that's amazing. And, but, but, but first God, of all, doesn't change. God doesn't change and you're in God where God is here it's with true. us. It's true. Where we are, but, whether we're by ourselves or with other people, God right. is 
I mean, but, that's what we're taught. That's what we're we supposed you're, to do. You're absolutely right. But let's just speaking from my own experience, you know, it's hard enough for me to, to, to concentrate and create this frame of mind just for the three times a day that I, that I pray, let alone to hold it for the, the entire day. So we have to well, live. It's even that shifty, shift, isn't it? Shift, you put God in front of you all the time or something. Of course. That's what we're Ideally. also aiming for. Ideally, but there's, I think there's different levels of that, meaning there's a focused, you know, concentrated perspective, you know, way of thinking about it. And that's, I, I think, you know, if a person could do that all day, that's amazing. But I think that's, you know, next to impossible. And at least for, for most people that I know. Um, so we have to choose, choose a time of day that we're gonna, we're gonna try to focus on that. And, you know, this could be the highlight of our day and it should be, but. Uh, so excuse me, so yes, yeah, so Robert, so what part, what is like helping you shift into this year by the time you get to the Shmona Estray? What? I mean, it seems kind of abrupt that all of a sudden, oh, you've been saying praises, you've been doing this, that, reciting the Shema, reading from the Torah, reading from Psalms and all of them, then you have to like, I mean, it's supposed to be like a buildup to that feeling. Right. No. Oh, so, okay. So there's two, I guess now you're, you're sort of, I think making a different point, which is within the prayers themselves. There's one thing I, I'm saying to keep it the whole day, you know, certainly we should live with an awareness that God, you know, God is, but like you said, God is before me at all times. And that should certainly impact the decisions that we make impact our behavior. Um, but we're, and, 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 you know, we could be praying all day, not, not all day, but at different opportunities in the day, different moments in the day, it's, it's wonderful if a person says a prayer, you know, speaks to God and says, you know, I'm doing this, you know, God, please help me. I'm doing this, God, please help me. That's wonderful. But to keep this level of concentration the whole day is, is in my mind, very, you know, it's difficult enough just for the, for the Shmong Asri. Now, in terms of the, of the order of the prayers, you're right, in the morning service, there is a whole buildup. There's there's Suke de Zimra, the verses of, of song, all the all the all the tilim, the psalms that we say. And you're right, it is it, it is a buildup to prepare us and get us into this into this mode, which is I guess a, a chorus song its own. How that uh, how that how that works, but uh, but but yeah, absolutely. That's that's actually what it's meant for. The 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 highlight, you know, the climax is the the Shmona Esrei, the Amidah. Everything that comes before that is, in a sense, building up to that to that moment. So, <clears throat> absolutely. Okay. Um, and later in the day, so so for Mincha, let's say there's less before. There's just one psalm before, but that's it's, it's a practical thing, I think. You know, to have such a long prayer service again. So the the rabbis when they when they um, compose the services, they they dig it, keeping in mind sort of the the practicalities also of starting off your day with a longer service, but then for the afternoon service, which is in the middle of the, of the day, for us, we usually do it in the evening, but it technically could be in the middle of the day that they made much, much shorter. Okay. So that's, that's, so that's part number one, is trying to create this, this frame of, of mind of being just joyful in our, in our prayers. And certainly at least in, at this, uh, at, at, for this part of prayers where we're praising God, certainly, 
you know, the, the request, the supplications maybe could be that there it's a slightly different mood. Rav Pincus, actually this, this work that I'm quoting from, Rav Shimshon Pincus, he has a, a, a safer, a book, it's called Gates of Prayer, Sharim B'Tfilah, and he, he quotes from a, from a midrash that, that indicates that there are 10 different types of, of prayer. And they're, they, they're really 13, there's 10, maybe 13, but he focuses mainly on 10. And he, he goes through and explains what each one is and what role it plays and, and when you're supposed to tap into that, that type of prayer. And, and this, what we're talking about now is, is what we call Rina. Rina is a joyful prayer. And that's the beginning of the Shmona, of the Shmona Esrei, the, 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 the praise section is done with, with Rina. Now, what I want to do now is introduce another idea that he shares, which I think is extremely novel. And, uh, and he basically poses the following question. Um, I don't know, doesn't really put it in question form, but I'm going to put it into question form. Which, which aspect of prayer is more effective at, let's say, eliciting God's mercy or, or change or, or bringing about an answer? Is it the praise section on its own, or is it where we, when we actually get to the to the supplications? So, meaning, is I, I want you know, let's say again, going back to this classic example of a, a, a person who's sick. So, at the beginning, we we read it last week in the second blessing. We say that God is rofei cholim. He's a, he cures the sick. That's not a supplication. We're not. This is Rina. It's still it's 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 praise of God. It's not meant to be a person shouldn't say those words at that point and and say and be concentrating. Oh, please, God, cure the sick. That's not what one is supposed to do at that point. It's not a supplication. It's a praise of God. It's you are the Rofei You are the one who, who cures the sick. That's the proper way to say those words at that point. Later, when we have the blessing that focuses on curing the sick, that's a supplication, then the, the mood changes, so to speak, then it's setting a different way. So, so which is more effective? Is it, at, at, let's say, ha, you know, calling on God to, to cure the sick? Is it just praising God for curing the sick? Or is it later when we make the supplication? So I don't know which one's more effective necessarily, but uh, Pincus actually at least makes the case that just the praise itself is a uh, has has a tremendous power to it, to, in terms of the power of prayer. Without even making the supplication later, the praise itself carries with it tremendous power. Um, and this kind of puts a spin on on what we've focused on up till now. Up till now, you've heard from me many many times. We're praising God so that when we later will will. We'll make our supplication, we'll be clear, we'll have clarity, we'll have a clear sense that God is in control and then our supplication will come from deeper in the heart and it will be more meaningful and more effective. But, uh, but it could be that in fact, the praise itself is, is, is more effective than the supplication, than the request at bringing about change. So he starts by quoting a section in the Talmud which really seems to, to bring this idea out, which is in the, the Talmud in, in Tainus. It's number two on the sources. Uh, Robert, you, you've learned this with me, I think. Um, 
So in the Talmud, in Tainas 24a, the Gemara says, um, number two, Rav happened to come to a certain place where he decreed a fast, but rain did not come. So Tainus is dealing with fasting. It's dealing with situations. A lot of it is about what to do in, in a situation of drought. So the certain rabbi of the Talmud, Rav, he came to a certain place. There was a major drought going on, and he declared a fast and, you know, to pray and to fast that the drought come to an end. But it didn't work. It didn't, it didn't rain. So that, that didn't help. Now, it says that the prayer leader descended to lead the service before him and recited, Mashiv Haruach Umarid HaGeshem. He who makes the wind blow and uh, the, the wind blow. Sorry. So first he, he mentioned Mashiv Haruach, who makes the wind blow. He praised God who makes the wind blow and the wind started to blow. And then he continued and said, Umarid HaGeshem, and he makes the rain fall and the rain came. Now, this, these words, Mashiv Haruach Umarid HaGeshem, we talked about them last week. They appear at the beginning of the second blessing of the Shemona Asrei. We only say them in the winter months. We're not saying them now in the summer months. We say it during the rainy season in Israel. But it's not a, we're still in the second blessing. The second blessing, as we know, is not a request. It's not a supplication. We're not praying for rain. We pray for rain later. In, in the blessing for sustenance, there's a blessing for sustenance, and we say that God, sh- in the winter at least, we say, God should give us dew and rain for blessing. That's a, that's a supplication. That's a request. That's a prayer. But when we say, God makes the wind blow and the rain fall, that's not a prayer. We're not asking God to do it. We're praising God for doing it. And yet, a very interesting thing happened. This, this chazan, the, 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 the prayer leader got up, he said the words Mashiv Haruach Marid Ageshem as part of his the service. And all of a sudden, as a result of that praise, it started to rain. It wasn't even a supplication. He wasn't even asking. He was just praising God. And that itself brought about an answer to all of their prayers. And, and, and seemingly, they had prayed plenty before that. They had fasted. They were praying. They were asking God for rain. It, it, it didn't work. But then they started saying, <laughs> I don't know in terms of the calendar how the story worked out exactly if it happened to be that day. I, I don't know. Or maybe they had been saying it, but it didn't work until this moment. And, but, it, but it was clear that it was a result of this. They, he said it, and all of a sudden it started to rain. So, so we see from here, we don't necessarily understand why, but we see that praise itself has a certain power to get our prayers answered, the praise itself, and maybe even more power, it could be even more powerful than, uh, than asking God for something, than, than supplications. So why, you know, how does this work? Why would it be? So, so Rapinkas um, suggests that this works based on an idea, he, he, he's going to put together a few a few different ideas. But the first idea is based on a midrash, which is quoted here in source number three by the Nefesh Chaim, Rabbi Chaim of Alajan, in his, the, the great t- student of the Vilna Gon. Um, Rabbi Chaim of Alajan, he records this midrash and it says as follows. So uh, we'll, we'll read it and then we'll try to elaborate it. And so it is explained in the midrash, the Holy One, blessed be he, said to Moshe, this is a verse, go and say to them, to Israel, that my name is 
basically when, when God first approaches Moshe, Moshe says, what should I tell them? Who, what, you know, who's calling? When I go back to the Jewish people, they're going to ask me, why is his name? Who is this God? And God says, tell them, Eye asher eye, ekya asher ekya. I, I am, uh, and, which means I will be as I will be. And it's, 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 a, it's a name of God, actually. And that's why here they, they, uh, they, spe- they spell it out A-H-Y-H. It's Aleph, then Hey, then Yud, then Hey. I will be as I will be. So the Midrash says, what does that even mean? What does God mean? I will be as I will be. So, so the Midrash explains that what it means is just as you are with me, in that same way, I am with you. That God reflects what we do or how we relate to him. And so said David, King David, God is your shadow on your right side. We say this in, in Tehillim. It's one that we say pretty often. Hashem tzilcha al yad yeminecha. God is your shadow. What does it mean, God is your shadow? So the Midrash explains, what is God is your shadow? Like your shadow. As your shadow, when you play with it, it plays with you. And if you cry, it cries opposite of you. And if you show an angry or a cordial face, it does the same to you. So too, the Holy One, God is your shadow, just as you are with him, he is with you. That's the Midrash. And what this Midrash teaches us is something tremendous. The Nefesh Achayim is a bit of a Kabbalistic work. It's kind of a basic Kabbalah. It's important for important ideas um, without getting too, you know, heavy into Kabbalah. But the, the Nefesh Achaim in that context is, is teaching us that our actions have a tremendous impact on the world. And, and our actions, you know, sort of reach the high heavens and, and, and spread out and, and can impact all sorts of things in the world. But in, in our context, what, what, what we're really focusing on is, is the idea that, that God will reflect our, um, our behavior, our conduct, and our relationship to him. And, uh, and so if, I mean, in the, in the example it gives is that uh, if, 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 you know, as you cry, it cries opposite you. If you show an angry, a cordial face, he, it does the same to you. That God almost, it seems like it's saying God, God reflects our, our mood. If we're besimcha, then God is besimcha, is, 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 is with happiness. But that's going to be a reflection on, on how he relates to us. And, uh, and over here, if we relate to God as as he is omnipotent, all able, the answer to all of our, you know, all of our troubles, the one who can solve all of our troubles, and that's how God will relate back to us. And, and he, he builds out the idea with uh, the next source, the, the, the verse in Tehillim and in Psalms, it says, Tov lachasos bashem, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trusting mortals. But he uses this word, lachasos. Tov lachasos, lachasot. It's good to take refuge in the Lord, in God. What does it mean to take refuge? It's an interesting uh, expression. 
So it's teaching us something. It doesn't say to rely on God, it's, it, even though it's comparing it to, to mortals. To, it doesn't say it's good to trust in God rather than trusting mortals. It's saying more than that, it's good to take refuge in God. What does that mean to take refuge in God? So if we want to understand that expression, we have to see how it's used in other contexts. What, what does it mean to lachasos? So another context that we find the word, this, this, this phrase, lachasos, to take refuge, is to take refuge under, under the shade of a tree, <clears throat> to take refuge you know, in a secure location. And what that, what that means, the Vilna Gon explains the difference between lachasos, to take refuge, and just to trust is that trusting, at least in, in certain contexts, implies or applies when there's something that's been promised. So we, if something's been promised, God promises a reward, we trust God that he'll, he'll keep his word. You know, whatever God may, may promise, we trust him. That's one, one level, trust. Trust, trust someone to, to keep their word where a promise is made. Um, we have faith that it's going to be that God will fulfill his word. But this other expression, lachasos, to take refuge, is without a promise. It's like taking refuge in the shade of a tree. That, the, that which the tree you know, provides us protection from the sun is not because the tree promised you know, it, it's, not, it's not because it promised to give us shade and it's keeping its word. You know, I gave you my word, I guaranteed it, you know, come take shade under my tree. No, 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 it gives shade because it's a tree and it gives shade, that's what it does, right? The protection is there. And if you're in the shade of the tree, if you go right next to the tree and the sun is pointing in the right way, the shade, the tree will protect you from the shade. In, in Hebrew, we say it's the mitziut, it's the, it's the existence, it's the reality of the situation. That's what it is. That's what it does. You know, similarly, if you take refuge behind a wall, you know, that the wall protects you from the elements. It, it just, it's, it's just the reality of the situation. So he says the same is true with God. That if we are lachasos, if we take refuge from God, God will protect us not because, not from God, if we take refuge with God, God will protect us not because he promises to protect us, not because he's keeping his word, he's fulfilling his word to us, but because we are the protect, it's just the reality of when you take refuge in God, that the protection is there. That's God's overflowing light. The verse, the, 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 the next verse that we quote here, um, number four in the sources, Oh no, it's not in the sources. Never mind. The next quote that we don't quote in the sources is a verse in uh, in Mishle in Proverbs. The verse says, um, and the light of the face of the king is life." It's Proverbs sixteen fifteen. I didn't put it on the on the source sheet. Proverbs sixteen fifteen, and you may find a, a more loose translation if you look it up. But the literal translation is that. And the light of the face of the king is life. That in the, in, if you're basking in the light of God, there's life there. In other words, that's, that's the natural state of being close to God is, is, is life, is overflowing blessing from, 
from God. That's the reality of the situation. Just as light shines for everyone, because that's just the reality. If you stand outside and the sun's out, there's going to be light. That's just how it is. So, so the same is true with God. If we stand in his shade, if we, if we uh, bring ourselves close in that way, then, uh, then we'll see salvation. And, uh, and that's what's happening when we're, when we're praising God. When we're praising God and we're, we're identifying, we're, we're, we're acknowledging and we're clarifying that <clears throat> we recognize God's omnipotence, God is all powerful, so, so again, God reflects that back. We are, you know, Hashem Tzilcha, God is, a, God is our shadow. God reflects that back. And when we sort of just, without supplication, without asking, we just rely on God, we take refuge in God. So then that, what, what, that, what that means, what that does is we find ourselves um, close to God. We find ourselves drawing from that, from that blessing without any need for a supplication, without any need for a guarantee. The, the, he, another example where he brings this out is the verse in, in Psalms number five. It says, your kindness and truth will always protect me. Your kindness and truth will always protect me. What's kindness and what's truth? Your, your chesed, your kindness, Vamitra and your emet, your truth, will always protect me. What's kindness and what's truth? So there are different explanations, but Rapinkus wants to suggest that it falls into to this, this definition, <clears throat> what we're describing now. Chesed, kindness is when God gives us something, sort of more of an, an active decision, let's say. You know, um, emes, truth, is what's received simply as a result of the truth of God's existence, that anyone who draws near to him receives his overflowing kindness. And so with, when it comes to tefillah, when it comes to prayer, if a person stands before God and praises him and draws near to him and cleaves to him, then through that act itself, a person can receive that overflowing blessing. It's the, it's the emet of God. It's the truth of God. It's the reality of God is that he bestows kindness and, he, and, and blessing overflows from him. And so just the very act of praising God, which can draw us near to him, can, uh, can itself bring about blessing for us, can, 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 uh, can uh, shower us with blessing. And that's this idea. There's, there's chesed, there's kindness from God, where God gives us something that may come as a result of supplication. You know, we pray for something, God gives it to us. But there's also emet. There's the truth of God. There's the reality of God. And we can tap into that. Then, uh, then, then, then the, the, the blessing almost flows, so to speak, naturally from God, automatically. If we, if we, if we, are, if we bring ourselves into God's presence, there's blessing to be, to be found there. So that's the, uh, the novel idea of Rapinkas. It's, uh, it's certainly a deep idea. Um, but uh, also can give us new, new appreciation of this aspect of prayer, which is, which is just the praise. The praise itself, first of all, elicits an exchange, elicits that, that God reflects back what we are, 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 are sensing of God, you know, God in his, in his omnipotence, 
will reflect that back to us, but it also brings us within his shadow. And, uh, and, and then the blessing is almost, you know, just there to, to be received. <clears throat> That's the idea. Okay. Um, let's, we're going to skip the last source um, on the source sheet and uh, let's go on to try to apply this a little bit to the, to the liturgy. Um, we can maybe focus on, on some of these ideas. We've, we basically built up two main ideas today. One is the, the tremendous joy that we should try to engender, we should try to experience as we, as we approach God in, and, and in prayer and praise. And, and as we bring ourselves to the realization of who it is that we're interacting with, the manager of the bank, the greatest doctor in the world, the one who has all the answers for us, should awaken a joy in our tefillah. And, uh, and then the second idea that actually the, the praise itself can be extremely effective of drawing God's, uh, God's blessing without even moving on to the supplication. I mean, we, we do that too, but, but just the, the praise itself, because it, it, it elicits that, that, that reflection from God, it also brings us within close, close to God where that can just naturally overflow, that blessing can naturally flow from God to us. <clears throat> okay, now let's look at the, the liturgy a little bit. So we're in the second half of the second blessing. So the beginning of this blessing talks about how um, God is, is mighty, mighty in terms of over, overriding the laws of nature, overriding all powers in the world, even though God created those powers and, and controls those powers, but in our, in our mind, in our perspective, we see it as if God is overpowering them. Um, and, uh, and there's, a, there's a major focus in this blessing on on the resurrection of the dead, the ultimate resurrection. And, uh, and from that, we sort of come to the realization that not, if, not only does God bring a resurrection at the end of days, but throughout our, you know, in, in this world, as we, in, the, in the world that, that we, we experience, and we, there's constant forms of resurrection that go on, bringing people back from the brink of, of death, so providing for people who are, who are so, you know, so uh, downtrodden, um, you know, freeing the imprisoned, freeing us from 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 difficult straits, all sorts of different forms that 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 it can take on different different ways of uh, of almost bringing bringing us back to life. And uh, and then we continue with with the following. We say, "Mi chamocha baal givuros, who is like you, master of mighty deeds." Who is like you? You know, and that's a uh, rhetorical, right? Who is like you? There's nobody like you, God. There may be other people that wield power in this world. And there may be times where we think we need that expert doctor, or we need that banker or that businessman. We need, we think that we need, our, our answer lies in the hands of a certain uh, mortal. And, uh, and sometimes that person may be God's messenger, certainly, but ultimately it, it, it lies in God's hands. And, and there's no, nobody has the power like on Micha Mocha, right? Who is like you? And therefore we can, especially with these words, it's, it's a moment to focus on the opportunity. Who is like you? This is the greatest opportunity. I'm speaking to, to, the, to, 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 to the king of kings, the master of, of, of all. 
This is, this is a point I think that we can really focus, try to bring out that joy. Who is like you? There's nobody who has, who has the answers like you. We just need God. He's the, he's the Baal Givuros. He's the master of my deeds. He's the master of it all. He, he controls all powers in the world. All power emanates from him. So we can, at that moment, really try to engender that, that, that simcha, that joy. And, uh, and then we say, and who is comparable to you? That not, not just that there's nobody even similar to God who is like you, nobody is like you, but nobody is even can be compared to God in any way. There's, there's, no, there's not even a, a comparison. <clears throat> and, uh, and where do we see that brought out? We see especially brought out in what follows, Melech Meimis Umechaye, God is a king who causes death and restores life, Umatzmiach Yeshua, and causes deliverance to sprout forth. So we're praising God. We're saying he's the king who causes death and restores life and ultimately brings deliverance. Now, causes death, I mean, maybe sometimes that's, that's something that we would praise for, but why are we praising God for, for causing death? But the truth is that, that death is, uh, is part of the, the, the system of, 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 of rectification that, that we have to undergo in order to prepare us for the ultimate resurrection. And so it's really all part of, part of a process. God is a melech, he's a king, he acts with justice and, the, and he's mamus, he, 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 he brings death in order for the body to undergo the rectification period to prepare it for its resurrection ultimately. And then he is Mechaya. It's really just building up that, that it's, 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 a, it's part of the process is death followed by Mechaya, followed by resurrection. And that is the Matzmiach Yeshua, the, the, the deliverance that sprouts forth at the end, end of days when, uh, when we've undergone this full rectification, both body and soul. So then uh, that's when we experience the, the ultimate salvation, the ultimate, uh, ultimate really experience when, when our, our body and soul have both been purified and can, can experience God in the, in the greatest way. But that's all, you know, and, and that's, that's an expression also of me, Domela, who is comparable to you? There's, this is, uh, there's, there's nothing to talk about, right? There's nobody, nothing that can be compared to this, uh, to this process that, that, that God um, has in store for us. And then we say, You are faithful to restore the dead to life. And, uh, and, and what we're saying here is we, we it's interesting. That we mention it a whole bunch of times in this blessing that God resurrects the dead. And there's different explanations what they all refer to. Do they all, you know, many commentaries say they don't all refer to to the ultimate resurrection. We mentioned last week, you know, at least that one of them refers to bringing someone back from the, from the brink of death, you know, somebody who's not yet dead. Um, it could, we even have stories in the prophets of people who are brought back to life after death. So it could refer to that with, you know, not the ultimate resurrection, but a resurrection within, within uh, our, our world. <clears throat> um, but 
I think the way that we've been developing it was that the first time was a reference to the to the ultimate resurrection, and then we had a, this whole list of of different things as I introduced before that are similar to a resurrection. So 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 providing for 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 the downtrodden and bring you know curing the sick and all these examples that that if we see them they can help us appreciate the idea of a resurrection. And we also mentioned actually the, the way that plants grow, which we also, we talk about the rain falling in this blessing and, and the, the process of, of, a, of a plant sprouting forth. All this can help us develop the, the, the faith in an ultimate resurrection. And so, so the way that one of the great commentaries, the Abu Dram explains this line is, we now say, after we've sort of clarified it for ourselves, now we say, now you are faithful. We, we trust you to, to resurrect the dead at the end of time, because at the end of days, because we've now seen all these different forms of, of that in our, in our own lives. <clears throat> and then we conclude the blessing, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you, or as we've explained, that Baruch really should be translated as you are the source of all blessing. Um, and we again mention the resurrection because this is the blessing that speaks of God's givura, God's might, God's ability to overpower nature. And this is the greatest expression of that um, is uh, the greatest expression of that is God resurrecting the dead. You know, if you really think about it, it it's uh, certainly the greatest expression of, of it because not just it's not simply you know a body that 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 just died last week or or last year that's being resurrected, but but all you know all the people throughout all of history that deserve that merit resurrection are being resurrected. And uh, saw one commentary even points he mentions you know the 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 idea that uh, that that. Uh, matter can, can never actually be destroyed. So, so whatever may have happened to the, to the body decompose or ever just took on a different form of matter. God draws all, all of that together to ultimately resurrect, resurrect the deck, pulls all the pieces together when to, to, and he'll do that to bring, bring people back at the, at the end of time. So that's the ultimate uh, overpowering of nature. So that's that blessing. Um, We'll quickly do the third blessing because I just want to wrap up the, the first three blessings, which are which deal with praise. And next week we'll be able to move on to supplication, the next section of the of the Amidah. So the last blessing, the third blessing is Atakadosh. You are holy. It's a short blessing. Atakadosh, you are holy, the Shimcha Kadosh, and your name is holy. And holy beings praise you every day forever. Baruch atah Hashem, blessed are you, Hashem, the Almighty, HaKadosh, right? The Almighty, the Holy One. Now, what does Kadosh mean? What does holy even mean? So we can look maybe to Kiddush to help us understand what, what it means that something could be holy. Kiddush, it means it's the same root, right? Kadosh, it's sanctification. But what, So what are we doing when we make Kiddush on, on Friday night? when we sanctify Shabbos, what we're really doing is we're declaring that this day is sacred and this day is separate. It's separate from the rest of the week. It's something beyond and, 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 and different. 
And that's what kadosh really means. Kadosh, holiness, really means something that is sacred, something is separate. And we declare, when we say ata kadosh, we say, God, you are holy, you are separate. What we're really declaring is you are sacred, you're beyond us, you're beyond our comprehension. You know, in the first two blessings, we talked about ways that God actually interacts with the world. We talked about how God is kind, you know, benevolent, and we talk about God's special relationship with our forefathers and how God will bring redemption. And we talk about how God will resurrect the dead and how God cures the sick and all these things that, that God overpowers nature, all these ways in which God interacts with the world. And here we declare that, you know, that's all that we, we, that's all based on what we observe and what we're taught about God, but we have to realize we're, we're really, we're not really scratching the surface and understanding God. Atakados, God, you are holy. You're sacred. You're separate. You're totally beyond our comprehension. And yet you want a relationship with us. You create a world to bestow kindness on us. But, but we, we have to, we recognize who it is we're talking to. God, you're, you're totally beyond our, our country comprehension. All that we relate to, all that we understand is, is we can only understand as much as God reveals to us, how he relates to the world, what he reveals to us in the Torah and, uh, and how he acts towards the world. But, but we, we're not really speaking about God's essence. That's what we're saying here. Atah Kadosh, you're really separate. You're beyond our comprehension. Vishimcha Kadosh, and your name is, is holy. And your name, God's names are expressions of how God interacts with the world. So one of God's names refers to mercy and one of God's names refers to justice and one of God's names refers to how he overpowers nature. And we have other descriptions of God. We call God, you know, Rachum, he's merciful, he's Chanum, he's gracious. All these different descriptions of God. And these are names of God. We have to realize that that even, even what we perceive in how God interacts with the world, we're still not grasping even how God interacts with the world. That, that's also beyond us, right? We don't, we don't get the full picture, right? We don't see everything. That's Shimcha Kadosh. You, your, your name is beyond us. Even though we recognize that you're kind, but we don't grasp the full um, extent of, of God's kindness. We don't grasp the full extent of God's mercy. It's it, we're again, we're, we're barely scratching the surface, and that's what we're expressing. Shimcha Kadosh, your uh, your name is holy. The, the, your your name is beyond us. Your name is beyond our comprehension. Meaning that your your attributes are beyond our comprehension. Even that those attributes with which you you interact with the world. And then we say Ukdoshim Kol Yahalaluchasala. The holy beings praise you every day forever. So these holy beings could refer to angels, um, spiritual beings. That's how some understand it. Um, alternatively, um, it could be referring to people, holy people. And the idea perhaps is um, that it takes one to know one, right? That a person who is kind sees kindness in others. A person who is cruel does not see kindness in others, they see weakness in others. If somebody, someone who's cruel and sees someone who's kind, thinks they don't think they're kind, they think they're weak. Right? It takes one to know, and we have to, one who has the, the certain attribute can see that attribute in other people. 
And the same is true with Kedusha, with holiness. Someone who is holy, someone who is in touch with the spiritual, um, someone who is in control of their actions, who puts the, the soul before the body, who puts the spiritual before the physical, has a proper sense of God's spiritual greatness. And, uh, and that's, that's possibly what's expressed over here, that, that holy, the, the holy beings, that those who have developed Kedusha, people who have developed holiness within themselves, are the ones that praise you because they recognize, because it takes one to know one, they recognize your, your, your greatness. And, uh, <clears throat> and just to, to close with one final idea, to close out the blessing, so Rav Schwab, Rav Shimon Schwab, he quotes the verse at the beginning of, of, of Parshat Kedoshim. Parshat Kedoshim begins with the command, Kedoshim to you, you should be holy, God says, Ki Kadosh Ani, because I am holy. So God says, be holy because I am holy. So Rav Schwab asks, how does that make any sense? You know, imagine somebody says, the king comes and says, be a king because I'm a king. Or a philosopher comes and says, be a philosopher because I'm a philosopher. Be holy because I'm holy. What, what does that mean? What is God telling us? So Rav Schwab says, God is telling us, separate ourselves from our urges, from our instincts, overcome our, our instincts, allow again our soul to control our, our body, allow the spiritual to, to direct our actions. And why? Because I am holy, God says, and I have placed a spark of holiness within each of you. And, uh, and that is the neshama, the soul. And that's what gives us the ability to overcome and separate ourselves from our inclinations. And just as God is kadosh, above, holy, and not bound by, 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 by his nature, he's also imbued us with that same power of Kedusha, of holiness, the ability to transcend our urges, to transcend our inclinations, and separate um, ourselves from, from those urges. That's, that's Kadosh. That's, that's to be holy, to be separate, to be able to overcome our instincts and our urges. And so we close out the blessing, and we thank Hashem for this. And we say, you are the source of blessing, Hashem. Hakel, Hakel, we've said previously, is an expression of God's mightiness and kindness, God's great kindness. And, the, and, and we say that in connection with Kadosh, that God is, is holy. And, uh, and, and in God's holiness, there's great kindness also, or, or God, like, like, like this verse says, that, that God shares that holiness with us. And therefore, we end, we're, we're praising God for his, for, for his kindness as associated with his holiness in that he, he, he imbues us with some of that holiness and gives us the ability to, uh, to develop ourselves, to develop our, our souls, to develop a relationship with him and bring ourselves closer to him. So hold there just to relax, out of time. Um, but obviously did that a little fast and there's more to talk about, but I'm, I'm happy to stick around. <clears throat> Thanks, Thanks for coming. Thank you.